listening to a Sanctuary Church podcast. I don't know how many of you have ever um, had a, a challenge in your life that you just wished you had more power to deal with. Maybe you've seen other people and you've seen them able to overcome. They're not stuck in that same rut or they're not succumbed to that temptation or living in that kind of uh, mental state. And you wish to yourself, man, if only I had more power in my life, I would be able to live at a higher standard, and have a better, um, a higher level of living, and uh, be able to overcome these issues. But I can't, I'm, I'm struggling here, and I just can't seem to get there. Tonight, uh, I'm not going to speak for very long, but I'm going to answer quickly the question, how do I receive more power? Now, before I answer that question, I want to address a matter which is, I guess, concerning um, to uh, people like myself, and, and yet I fall into it. You know, you, you kind of see it, think, oh, well, that's not right, but then you go and do it yourself. And it's this. Sometimes you look down on other people who continually make the same mistake. And you think to yourself, What's wrong with you? Have I got to slap you or something? I mean, seriously, can't you see by doing that, you're going to end up suffering this? It's, it's blind. Freddie can see it. It's obvious. How many times do I have to tell you? You know, you have people, you sit down and you explain to them, you know, don't do this, this and this, or you're just going to wind up there and yes, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, no problems. I won't do this, that, and they go out and they do this, that, and the other thing again. It's easy to get judgmental towards that kind of situation, that kind of person, I suppose. But, but what you've got to realise, what you have to remember, is that people can only ever live to the level of revelation that they've received from God. You see? Sometimes, and you, I don't know everybody in the room, and I don't know if you're here tonight and you know, you're, maybe you're not a Christian or you're not a follower of Christ or you're questioning it or whatever, and, and maybe you've even thought to yourself, well, I could never live a goody two-shoes life. Maybe you've thought that, you know. Maybe you thought, well, I like this and I like that. And because I like this so much, you know, if I become a church person, then I can't do that, right? Or if I become a follower of Jesus, I can't do that. And I just could never live at that level of, of, of existence. I, I like this too much. It's got too much of a hold on me. What, what, what you, you need to realize is that it's not about willpower as much as it's about the power of God living in your will. It's about how much of God you can get into you, not how much you've got to live up to a standard. And that's what we have to realise. You need increased power. You need an increased measure of God in you. And that's what we're going to talk about, how to achieve that tonight. Because, you know, you can read all kinds of verses in the um, writings of Paul in the Bible. And they sound wonderful, you know. I mean, Paul says, all things work together for good. You look at a verse like that, and if you really believe that, you'd never worry again, would you? If you really believe that, you'd never have times of depression. Uh, you'd never feel defeated, lost. If you actually believe that all things work together for good. But wasn't just some obscure little verse in this irrelevant book they call the Bible, but it was a living, breathing manifestation of my belief. You would never get depressed. You'd never worry. You'd never 
go in a downward spiral of mental despair again. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he talks about fighting the good fight. And we all recognise that there are you know, forces of darkness that exist in the world. Evil is, is a thing, we all know evil is a thing. Uh, and you know, for evil to prosper, good men, it's been said, need to just do nothing. Um, but we don't want to do nothing, we, we, we want to... We want to fight evil, but how do you fight evil? You know, uh, sometimes it just seems too overwhelming. Sometimes I don't want to fight evil. Sometimes I just want to go and sit in the corner and suck my thumb, you know. (laughs) Sometimes I just want to hide. I don't want to fight evil. It's too difficult. Paul goes on, and in in the book of uh, Philippians, he, he talks about rejoicing. He says, rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Sometimes I just want to get lost in my own depression. I don't want to rejoice. Sometimes I don't feel like rejoicing. Sometimes the stuff that's happening isn't all that kind of rejoicing motivating. You know what I'm saying? It's going to motivate good times. He talks in Galatians about being crucified with Christ and dying to yourself. And it sounds powerful. It sounds wonderful. But what you've got to realize is those verses, in fact all of the epistles of Paul, come after the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, we see people inhabited by God. And here's the thing. You can't take that stuff and say, okay, I'm going to do it. Only God can do it in you. Uh, As you are filled with God, that stuff becomes available to you. It becomes an experience that you can live out. Other than that, you're going to kill yourself. If you take all of this teaching, if you take the example of Jesus, uh, uh, praise God for the example of Jesus, loving people who persecute you, responding to those who do bad to you with love. It's all wonderful. But if you're going to try to do it by sheer willpower, it's going to become in your life one of two things. It'll either break you or... In the areas where you do have success, it'll cause you to look down upon others. Because what we've got to realize is that we can never do that on our own. So you say, well, how do you move into that level of power where you can rejoice and, and you can live in all things work together for good and you can die to yourself and you can uh, all that kind of you know, respond to those who persecute you? How do you do it? There's a key that I want to just share with you tonight, and it'll only take me five, ten minutes to share it with you. It's found in Hebrews, oh sorry, it's found in, um, found in, uh, well, it is found in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8, um, where it says, speaking about Abraham, it says, by faith Abraham was called to go to, a, to go to a place where he would later, where he later would receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Um, Abraham was 75 years of age 75 years of age is a rough time to break all of your connections all of your family all of your routines everything that you're comfortable with and you're used to to say well that's it I'm not going to be connected there I'm not going to enjoy that routine I'm not going to live with my family in this, in this place that I'm, I'm used to and I'm going to pull up all, all the stakes and just head to where I don't really even know, you know. Just get your keep bad together and head off to Toowoomba and just keep walking. And, and when do I stop, God, when I tell you to? What direction do I take? All you need to worry about is the direction of your next step. 
And it says here that Abraham obeyed. And I want to talk to you about this thing because I don't believe necessarily it's a, it's a physical, literal moving as much as it is a metaphor for a heart condition. That you've got to move on the inside. There's got to be a sense where we are headed forward. There's a spiritual pathway upon which we are walking. And I can tell you where power exists based on that one verse. Power exists on the other side of obedience. See, I'll, I'll read it again. It says, when he, uh, it says, when called to go to a place that he would later receive his inheritance and he obeyed. The power came following the obedience. He had to move and once he moved, the power that he needed was there to receive what he knew was there for him to receive. If you go right the way back to the beginning, right the way back to the start of the Bible, it says this in chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, verse 2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering. That word hovering, you could also say he was moving. Doesn't just necessarily mean that he was static. There was a moving of God over the surface of of the earth and I want to suggest to you that God is still moving God is always moving and if you're not moving you're going backwards because you're not equal with God you know if you're not moving forward as God moves forward you'll feel like you're getting more and more out of touch there's a sense in which the experience is you're going backwards because God is moving forwards God is calling you out God is calling you up and as you step out as you step up there is more power for your life see what we tend to do and, and, and sadly so is that we, we fight to deal with all kinds of you know problems when the answer to our problems is not in the problem the answer to our problems is being obedient and stepping out and as you step out you, God gives you more power and those problems can't touch you and you can spend all time dealing with problems and dealing with problems. And I'm not saying that there's not a time to rewire the thinking. Sometimes that, 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 is, that is required. But, but if you're going to spend the rest of your life dealing with problems, you're going to be dealing with problems of the day that you die. Rather than focusing on the problems, you, you look at where God is leading you. You take the next step. And I tell you now, in three or four years' time, you'll be stepping over issues that you'd have to climb up on today. That won't even bother you. Be like, just step over that and just keep going. Whereas today, if you were to hit that, it'd be like this huge wall that you couldn't get over. And what increases you is this whole idea of moving in obedience with the voice of God. How many know that the world is moving? We've got to keep moving forward. Every year, um, Hillsong sends me their new CD that, um, that they put out. And every year, I do the same thing. Every year... Uh, I got a CD player in my car. It's the only place I have a CD player. So I put it into my CD player in my car and I play it on the way to church of a Sunday and on the way home. And, uh, and every year I do the same thing. Every year I put it in the CD player and I drive to church and I'm thinking, it's not as good as last year's. I don't really like it much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nah. Oh, man, they've really come down a few pegs than where they used to be. <laughs> and, and I think, oh, I'm going to put the old one back. 
And I think, oh, where have I put it? I can't, I can't be bothered. So <laughs> I just keep playing it every week, every week. And after about two or three months <laughs> of listening to it every Sunday on the way in and the way out, and the way to get into Collingwood Park while I'm driving down there, listening to this Hillsong CD, after a while, I'm starting singing the songs. And maybe at six months, this is all right. <laughs> and then next year, they send me the new one. I take the old one out, put the new one. They go, oh, I really like the old one. And... Uh, <laughs> Hand on heart, I must have done this five times. <laughs> I reckon five times I put in a new CD and whinged about it in comparison to the old one. And then when the next one come, I whinged about that one in comparison to the old one. <laughs> and the point is, we just get used to stuff. And nobody really likes change, not really. And, and the new stuff comes, we go, oh yeah, no. We used to, I love the way it used to be. I remember when, you know, the truth is no one can look back without rose-coloured glasses, to be really honest with you. You know, it's true that right now, these are the good old days. Maybe. (laughs) Oh, remember when we used to go to church and on Sunday night and the kids would dance out the front? Oh, it was wonderful. And that little kid would pull up and show his belly and her belly, whatever, and... uh, and oh, they were so cute and blah, 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 you know. Oh, I wonder what happened to those days. Whatever. And, and you know, it's so easy to look back and think how wonderful things were in comparison to the experience that I'm having right now. But we've got to keep moving forward. I remember when we first bought a house, Francine and I, many moons ago now. We bought a house at Flinders View. We paid $43,000 for this house. And I remember buying this house for 43 grand thinking, oh, we're in so much debt. (laughs) My goodness, $43,000 for a house. You know, who borrows this kind of money? How will we survive? You know, will we be able to afford to eat? (laughs) And of course today, if you could buy a house at Flinders View for 43, how many would you try to get? You know, (laughs) I'd buy everyone that was, you know, how many know the world's moved on? You don't buy houses at Flinders View anymore for $43,000. If you see that, grab it. Those days are done. We've got to think broader. We've got to think in bigger concepts now. If you think you're going to buy a house by borrowing, you know, 30 grand or whatever we borrowed at the time, uh, you know, you're probably never going to buy a house. You've got to think bigger. We, we, we have to grow, we have to increase. Nowadays, you'd be flat out getting a half decent new car for that price. So I wonder, I wonder what opportunities are knocking on the door. You see, we bought this house for $43,000 back in the 80s, uh, mid and early 80s. And, uh, you know, nowadays, of course, it's worth infinitely more. And, and because we took that step, Right? We grew financially, we grew economically. And so later on, you know, if we were to borrow $40,000 to buy a house today, like, we wouldn't even think twice about it. It would just be, it'd be something we step over. Right? Back in the 80s, that was like a wall we could hardly climb. But we took the step and then you grow and that's how life functions. You've got to take the step and then you grow. And stuff that you'd struggle with, you won't struggle with anymore. The power that you need, right, is found in the next step that you have to take. Abraham made this crazy, um, uh, crazy, crazy move at his age. It was amazing. And yet the inheritance came. Yet the power was there. I I wonder what I wonder what steps 
God's talking to you about. I, I wonder if you know there's a step you've got to take. I wonder. Um, you might not be a Christian, and maybe there's something tugging at your heart. You know you've got to give your life to Christ. And you're a bit short, unsure about it, not certain about whether... I've got to tell you, you do it, God will meet you, and you'll have more power than you ever dreamed about. That's just a fact. Right? I, I wonder if God's speaking to you about something. And you're not sure, oh, will I, won't I, should I, won't I? got to tell you, you step out, you respond to that, and you'll have more power than you ever dreamed of, not too far down the track. Jesus looked at a crippled man lying in a bed in front of him. And what does he say to the crippled man? He says, you know, buddy, just lie there. If God wanted to heal you, he would. <laughs> he comes across these lepers. You know, they're all sort of hanging together there on the outskirts of town, crying unclean, unclean, hoping for someone to bring them some food. And Jesus sees these lepers there and he comes to them and he says, Oh, this is dreadful that, that you poor lepers should be uh, suffering like this. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a crowdfunding page and we'll see if we can get you some money for food. <laughs> you know, he, he comes across a blind man and he says, I'll see if I can get you a dog that can lead you around so you can find... You know, he doesn't say that. He sees a man on a stretcher and he says, Stand up! And as the man stands, his legs are healed. Where was the power? The power was in the moving. He goes to the lepers and he says, go to the priest and go and show them that you're healed. Were they healed? We don't know. There wasn't a moment of healing. Those lepers got up and went on their way to the priest and somewhere in that going, their power came upon them and the healing was theirs. There was a blind man, Jesus spits on the ground, he gets some mud, he puts his, go down to the pool of Shalom and, and wash your eyes. And somewhere in that moving, the power of God came and healing was theirs. It's in the moving. You know, too often we get frozen. We get stuck in time. We get stuck in mindsets. We get stuck in behavioral patterns. We get stuck where we are. And too often we listen to the lies in our head. You know, the, um, the self-debilitating, undermining, negative self-speak. Uh, and we finish up in so indecisive. Will I? Won't I? Should I? Should I? Oh, I don't know. And, and, and whenever you do that, you always find, right, that the negative is the default setting. You always find you finish up in the negative. You, you want to move forward? Nah, back to the negative. I'm going to do this. I'm not sure. Will I? Won't I? And you finish up back in the negative. I think sometimes the hardest thing we can do is just make a decision and follow through with it. Sometimes I think heaven is looking on saying, just take a step forward. Just do something and I'll bless it. Just take a step. Just take a step and you'll find me there. Just take a step and I'll meet you there. I think sometimes the greatest steps of faith that we need to take is exactly, if you didn't hear Pastor Mark's message this morning, it will be up on the podcast by lunchtime tomorrow. And hopefully you would have heard it by dinner time. Because, uh, you know, the, the, I think sometimes the, the greatest step of faith that we need to do is to arrest that negative self-speak. 
So that's it. I'm not thinking that. I'm not going there. I'm not allowing that idea to occupy my head. Because once you do, it'll inevitably slow you down and stop you from taking the step. And, and what's the problem? The problem is you self-speak. The problem is the, the, the arguments that exist in this, this, this box of brains. And we go, no, no, no. Okay, well, I won't. And then you don't. And then God moves on. The opportunity's not there. And you've undermined and you've killed the moment, the moment when you could have moved forward and experienced more power in your life and the stuff that you've been struggling with would simply fall away. And you wouldn't even have to fight it anymore. You're fighting temptations. If you just take that step of obedience, you watch. That temptation won't affect you anymore. The way to win is to move forward in faith. That's the way to win. You know, uh, I'll never forget what Erwin McManus said um, at our state conference uh, when he, he made this. I thought it was so profound. You know, he said, God looks at a horse galloping and he's pleased because a horse was made to run. You know, God looks at a dolphin swimming and, and he's pleased because he created a dolphin to swim and a porpoise like that, you know. And he said, he looks at man and he's pleased. He's only, how, can you, how can you please God? There's only one way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He looks at a man moving into the future and he's pleased because you were created to move and create the future. If you're not doing that, you're not doing what you were created to do. And you're not going to please God by living a pious life. You're not going to please God by saying, well, you know, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do that. You know, I don't drink and smoke and chew and go with girls that do. You know, what a good boy am I? You're not going to please God by somehow attaining some kind of moral standard. Now, I'm all for moral standards, don't get me wrong. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And what's that? That's moving into a future. You were created to move into a future. And if you're not, you're not doing what you're created to do. And the only way to, when God looks at you, he's pleased because you're doing what he's created you to do when you're moving into a future. And, and don't worry, I know it's easy. Well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, right? If your motives are right, if your heart is right, then just step out. How many know religion has been dead for millennia? So I've got to tell you, how many know religion, people don't like religion because it doesn't change, it's stuck. Like so many of us, we get stuck. And God looks looking for us to move forward. Thank you for listening to this podcast.